Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I am very excited today because I met Robin about a month ago at the Chosen People's Ministries Conference, which was really amazing. And I said to her, Robin, Robin, you must come on my show. She said, okay. And Robin lives in Israel, so she is uh, way past uh, my bedtime, (laughs) but she is uh, joining us uh, today. Robin, welcome. Shalom, Bill. Shalom. Thanks for having me on your show. Of course. So you are originally from Brooklyn, New York, and what an amazing journey and path that God has led you on. And I know listeners are absolutely fascinated to hear stories of Messianic Jewish people. And I would, I would love for my listeners to hear your story. Okay. Well, um, I grew up in what we like to refer to as the Holy Land, Brooklyn, <laughs> New York. <laughs> And um, I was raised um, by my grandparents. And I always like to say, if you've seen Fiddler on the Roof, then you know my family. Um, My grandparents were um, practicing Jewish uh, people who fled from Russia and made their way to um, New York. And they really loved being Jewish and being free to be Jewish and raising us Jewish. My mom was more what I would call a bagels and Hanukkah kind of Jewish person. And so she liked all the culture of Judaism, but she wasn't as observant to um, the Torah laws. But since I grew up also in my grandparents' home, I grew up um, going to religious education school after public school three days a week, going to Jewish school, um, going to a Hebrew education society summer camp. Um, keeping kosher, going to the synagogue. It was a big part of my life. And when I was in junior high and high school, I started to live with one foot in one world and one foot in another. On the one hand, I went to my grandparents' house Friday night for traditional Shabbat dinner. I kept kosher. Um, I was a nice Jewish girl. On the other hand, I was exploring um, drugs and alcohol and the club scene of New York City. So there were a lot of contradictions going on in my life. And I um, I always had some rules that if you don't do drugs and alcohol when you're alone, you don't have a problem. Mm. It's just social. And if you don't do drugs and alcohol when you're down, but only when you're having fun to enhance the fun, then it's not a problem. It's, you know, just celebratory. Um, but when I was in high school, I lost a very close friend to a, a violent crime. And when I was in college, um, my grandmother was killed in a break-in in in her apartment, and she was like my mom. And so those rules went out the window, and my life really spiraled. You know, I just wanted to be numb and not feel the pain and the fear of this world. Um, But still, I, you know, kept kosher, kept the holidays, and my friends would kind of laugh and say, well, 
you know, you, you won't eat lobster, but you'll use cocaine. And I would say, well, Moses didn't say not to use cocaine, but Moses said not to eat lobster. <laughs> and that was really like my rationale for things. Um, Robin, can but, I can I just interject for a minute? Sure. When you had lost your grandmother to a, a violent crime, oh my! I mean, you're you're processing two things at once: the loss of your grandma, who is like your mom, and the trauma of the incident. Um, and mm -hmm. also, was your grandfather still alive at that time? He was, but he was quite ill. Okay, and um, my grandmother was still very active. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah, the, the trauma of it was terrible. And actually, that was a huge thing because when that happened, you know, many people, it feels eerie and scary. And many people who we would have thought would come to sit Shiva, that's like um, to mourn together with my family, um, didn't because it felt so awkward. And what do you say? And um, but many of the believers that my family knew suddenly were really there saying, I don't know what to say, but I'm here and mm. I'm praying for you. Um, when I came home from, from college on a visit, um, uh, my mom invited Dr. Michael Rydelnik to the house to talk to me about Jesus. And my mom wasn't a believer at the time, but she had a <laughs> friend who was yeah, a she's, believer. She's bringing out the big guns, isn't she? She's not messing around. <laughs> Michael Rydelnik shows up talk. at your door. Oh my. <laughs> so my, my mom had a friend who went to Michael Rydelnik's congregation at the time, Messianic congregation that was in Long Island. And, she, you know, I guess they started to realize that I had some problems going on in my life. And so they invited Michael over to share the gospel with me. And to this <laughs> day, he says I'm the most hostile person he ever met. <laughs> um, he called you <laughs> one of the most hostile people he's ever met. Yes. Okay. Because of my response to him, he he shared with me, and I just started yelling at him and arguing with him. Um, and that's how I treated everyone who shared with me. Mm. But I never told them that, you know, I couldn't sleep at night thinking about the things they were saying about Jesus. So there was this woman, um, and she was a friend of my mom's, and she was a Jewish believer in Jesus. And I, at some point, I got really sick from the drugs and alcohol and had to move and all the stress and trauma. And I had to move home. And my mom's friend would come over every day and say, well, um, I want to talk to you about the Messiah. And I would say, okay, but no New Testament. I thought the New Testament would be full of anti-Semitism because the kids on our block growing up who wore, you know, crosses and went to church they called us Christ killers. They sometimes said, you know, Jews can't play on the team. I don't swim in the pool with dirty Jews. Wow. Um, wow. So for me, I, I didn't want to hear anything from the New Testament. I said, you know, if he's the Messiah, you can prove it from the Hebrew scriptures. And she would also say every day, we're going to take you to church and pray for you and God will heal you. And I would tell her I would never in my life step foot in a church. But you know how funny that is because you met me in a church. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly that's where I met you in a church. God has a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. um, so she would come over every day. She would share a messianic prophecy about the Messiah with me. I would get upset with her. And she would say, okay, you've had enough for today. Bye-bye. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> now, would you be as mean to her as you were to Michael Rodelnik? Sometimes, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, so you're consistent across the board. <laughs> but she was amazing, and she would keep coming back. 
And one day she read to me Isaiah 53, this clear picture of the one who suffers and dies for our sins. And I got furious and I said, that's it. This isn't like get out for today and come back tomorrow. I don't trust you anymore. You're sneaking in the New Testament. This is clearly talking about Jesus. This is clearly New Testament. And um, I said, go and don't come back again. And she told me, I'll leave and never come back if you look at one last thing. And she went into the back room in our house where we had um, Bibles and books brought back from Israel by my grandparents. And she opened up our family Bible that didn't have a New Testament. And she showed me this clear picture of Jesus in Isaiah 53 in my family's Bible. And immediately, everything I had fought with for about a year suddenly all strung together. And I knew that Jesus is the Messiah. And it, it was like a veil lifted. I totally saw this as the truth. Hmm. Robin, do Jewish people use all their energy to try to avoid Isaiah 53? Um, no, it's just not commonly in our reading. Okay. We have selected reading that we do each week. So it's not in the selected reading portions that we do, but um, just even last week in Jerusalem, I met an Orthodox Jewish man who said, I've been reading Isaiah 53, but he reads through the lens of what the rabbis tell him it means. Um, And we were trying to get him to read it in the context of the scriptures itself. Mm -hmm. So how old are you right now at this point in this story? So at this point in the story, I am 20, almost 20 years old. So you've been fighting for years. You've been pushing against uh, people trying to show you that Jesus is the Messiah. It, it was it was maybe a little over a year okay. since, like, the first seed I could see okay. um, started to be planted. Um, but at night, I really couldn't sleep thinking, these things sound like Jesus, but I don't want it to be Jesus, you know, <laughs> because of the history of anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. And... And, and people should know, most people won't be as hostile as me. It's rare. I, I never meet anyone as hostile as I was. So don't be afraid to talk to your Jewish friends. <laughs> <laughs> I was okay. a special case. All right. <laughs> um, anyway, so at that point, I knew Jesus is the Messiah. And I went with her to church the next day to be prayed for. And she took me to this healing church. And... The I at this point I'd been so sick for so long. My liver was sick. So I'm five foot ten. I weighed 105. My skin was yellow. The whites of my eyes were yellow. My hair was falling out. And she thought that when they prayed for me, um, I would immediately gain the weight and my skin tone would change and my hair would grow back. And you know, the truth is God can do anything, but that's not what happened. So the pastor prayed, I looked the same. Um, my mom's friend, Tony, said, oh, nothing happened. And she started to walk away. It didn't work. And I stood there saying, I don't know what did just happen, but I feel like there were chains on me and they fell off. And I feel like I was sleeping my whole life and I just woke up. I feel alive for the first time in my life. And she came running back and she's like, you met Yeshua. You met Jesus. She said, yesterday you met him in your head, like with your mind. And today you met him in your heart. And I knew that was true, that I had like was totally transformed in that moment. I knew Jesus was the truth. 
And I decided to go home and read the New Testament, even though I was still very afraid that I would find it to be anti-Semitic. And I was completely shocked. I'm reading it and I'm like, wait a minute. Everyone told me Jesus is Jewish. They didn't tell me Matthew, Mark, Peter, Paul, Mary, everybody's Jewish. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And I realized this really is a Jewish book. I mean, it's for all of us, but it is a Jewish book, mostly written by Jewish people. It's talking about the Jewish Messiah. Yes. I realized Jesus loves us more than anyone could love us. I wept through the Gospels, and I am not a person who cries. I'm a tough New Yorker. And um, I knew from the minute I finished reading it that I was called to share the Gospel with Jewish people and specifically Israel. Wow. It is a powerful story, Robin. Um, I'm Rosie and Iris is sitting here kind of with our jaws open. The way in which God delivered you in that moment. You know what was amazing? God could have healed me physically. He did eventually. The doctor says he can't explain uh, how I was healed. He did eventually, but I really believe first he wanted to heal me spiritually and I came to faith and all I could do, I couldn't work, couldn't go to school. All I could do was pray and read the Bible and just learn all I could about the Lord. And then he wanted to heal me emotionally. And really in that time, through a lot of prayer, he showed me to look at the people who had killed my friend and my grandmother, other people who had hurt me in life. And see them through his eyes and wonder, like, what happened in their life that they could do such a thing Mm -hmm. and how broken they must be and really weep for them and pray for their salvation. And that was so healing. Like, you know, when you're forgiven and then you are by only God's grace, you're able to forgive such a big thing. You just feel this lightness and freedom that's, you know, and, and all that, like the beginning of the healing of the trauma and all the weight of the pain that you're carrying just lift, you know? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. All right, let me take a break, Robin, and we will come back. I want, I've got all kinds of questions for you. Robin is my guest. She is with Chosen People Ministries. She lives in Israel, and we'll be right back after a short break. show on this amazing day of forgiveness. We're having an incredible conversation with Robin. She lives in Israel, in Jerusalem, and we're um, not live today because we got to be nice to Robin. But uh, we've recorded this in advance, and, and it is an amazing story. Now, Robin, I've got all kinds of questions to ask when it comes to the need to forgive. We, I want to go back to this horrific um, crime that was committed against your grandmother, who you were more or less raised by and almost yeah. considered a mom. Now she dies again in a a, a crime. A, was it a break-in? Um, yeah, it was what they call a push-in. She was putting the key in the door and someone pushed in behind and then they hit her in the head with a lead pipe. Okay. 
Oh my, I'm so, so sorry. Now, did they apprehend the person that did this? No. Okay. So the family is obviously in a situation where justice from a human legal perspective was not served. So how do you start to find a place in your heart to forgive this person? Yeah. And, and, you know, to forgive the system, I remember one of the police officers actually saying to my mom and I, um, well, these things happen. What, (laughs) you know, like that's, how do you say that to a family? Um, uh, so they, they never apprehended him that I know of. And, um, my friend was when I was in high school, it was many years later when, um, FBI and CIA and other groups started sharing their files more after 9-11 that they did find him um, and through the DNA. And so I had to process through forgiving someone who didn't have a face and a system that completely failed us and forgiving uh, someone who did have a face. And um, I knew more of the terrible details of that story. Um, and it really was something that I could not have ever done on my own. Um, it was completely just spending time in prayer before the Lord. And, you know, he, he shows us things in time. Like when you first become a believer, he takes this peel of the onion, then he Mm -hmm. shows us this peel. And at some point in prayer, he really showed me like, you walk around with all this pain and all this anger and all this unforgiveness. And he showed me what he forgave me. And he just um, put on my heart to pray for these people. And at first I was like, no, I don't want to pray for these people. They did horrific things. And as um, you know, he gently nudged and nudged, I started to pray, nudged, not in a bad way, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, encouraged me on. I, I started to really pray for these people. Um, and not just a quick bow your head prayer, but that sitting before the Lord, letting them into your heart, asking them how to pray. Um, and as I prayed for them, I really began to see their brokenness and to think about like, what could happen in a person's life? Like how hurt were they? How broken were they? How desperate were they to kill an old woman who would have given them anything they asked for, you know? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, good point. How, how the, the, the other crime was very hor- horrific and violent. And like, how how broken do you have to be to do this to a human being? Um, and in that case, it was one they knew. And um, I just really began to weep for the things that might have happened in their life that broke them in that way and led to, you know, their use of, in one case, we knew drugs and the other case, imagined drugs like what 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 led to the path for them and I began to weep and cry for them and want to see them have healing and and them come to face um and that process that praying for them that forgiving them that came through praying for them you know when you see people through God's eyes it's a, a transformation you know and when that happened I felt like 
the heaviness of my unforgiveness, the heaviness of my anger lifted. And, you know, I was able to allow God into the parts I was holding back from him healing from the trauma. And, you know, it, it, it was just such a powerful experience because I was forgiving them, but I was ex accepting more of God's forgiveness and healing in my life too, through that. Robin, I'm trying to process all this because I'm imagining your dear grandmother putting her key in her door to go into her home and then having some person force their way in behind her and hit her with a lead pipe and kill her. So I'm just trying to put this in, in some kind of process in my own brain because the journey that you went on and how, how old was your grandmother at the time this happened? She was 82. But she was still really active yeah. going out to see her friends and yeah. Yeah. So she's very, um, very active and he, and, and your point is well taken. I mean, he, she would have given him anything he asked for and yet he brings this violence and kills her and you have got all this anger, frustration, resentment. I, I don't even know all the emotions you must've been going, having, but the fact that you're not now at a point where you're feeling broken for this perpetrator, this criminal, this person, this murderer, and you're starting to weep for their brokenness and their lostness. It's just, I don't know how to process this yet. I process this yet. I can't even speak right now. It, it's really only the Lord. And I, I, you know, I do think you can have, some righteous anger, but mm -hmm. that's different than this unforgiveness, you know, traumatic, heavy thing that you walk around with. Um, you know, I, I, I was in nursing school and there was a patient who wouldn't sign to go in for her surgery. And the, I was assigned to her for that day as a student. And my teacher said, see if you could get her to tell why she won't go for the surgery because she, you know, she'll die without it, but she was afraid she would die on the table. Mm -hmm. And as I went in and sat with her, she began to tell me that her son was murdered and she never forgave the murderer and she was a believer and she was afraid to die with that unforgiveness. Wow. And when I shared my story, she began to weep and cry. And I mean, we sat together for two hours um, mm -hmm. and just talked and prayed and cried. And wow. she asked God into it. And the next day she went in for the surgery. She signed for the papers and she did really well. And I went to see her about a week later. And, and she said, you know, she felt like this whole weight yeah. is completely lifted and it, it it can be hard sometimes we need someone to like walk beside us before the lord too right to um walk through such yeah. hard things robin we're up against a hard break right now so i, I want to continue this discussion because it's so meaningful but uh, robin's my guest on this forgiveness day we are going to take a break and be right back with lots more of her story be right back It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno, Brad 
Welcome to the show. If you just joined us, it is Forgiveness Day, and we are uh, chatting. I am chatting with Robin. Robin is a Messianic Jew who lives in Israel, and she's part of Chosen People Ministries. And what she has had to do to forgive is quite amazing, and the way God is using her is so powerful. And Robin, I got to go back to this woman, this believer who had uh, lost someone to a, a violent crime and had not forgiven the uh, perpetrator and was afraid to go into surgery, which she needed for life-saving uh, procedure because she was afraid she might die on the table and go into eternity with an unconfessed sin. And powerful the way God used you. I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. We were up against a break and I was feeling anxious that we were going to run out of time. So. Can we just uh, discuss that a little bit more and, and share some of that experience? Well, it was such a moving and powerful experience because it's the heaviest thing that, you know, happened in my life and clearly the heaviest thing that happened in her life. And to meet and be able to connect and know that the Lord is the one who can help us through it, you know? Um, he's the only one and it, and it doesn't mean that you don't still miss the person or think it's a terrible way for the person to have gone. There's still things to deal with, but to be able to forgive and let God in to those parts of your heart that are really hurting and to see the person through his eyes, um, it's, it's so freeing and it's so it's the beginning of healing. And obviously, I mean, I was meant to be assigned to that <laughs> woman's room that day um, because I don't know if anyone else um, would have been able to, you know, resonate and sit together and really understand that together. Mm -hmm. So I think um, sometimes we need people to sit with us and help us walk through things and bring things before the Lord. And um, so it was, it was a real honor, um, to hear her story and to be able to pray with her and, um, see her go through, um, the experience of beginning to let God into that part of her heart and her life. Mm -hmm. I've always said there's nothing inconsequential in God's economy. And on that day, on that shift with that person, you were her nurse and, the way that God used you to help her with that part of her life that she felt trapped with not being able to forgive. I, I would just mm. love to hear more about the catharsis, the tears, the prayers, uh, the surrender. That just is so powerful how she turned that over and asked for um, forgiveness. How did that work? It, it really was that I was a student nurse so I just let my teacher know, like, I need to stay in this room. Okay. And she assigned other people to my other, you know, I, you just get a few patients when you're a student nurse. She assigned other people. And I was with that woman for about two hours. Yeah. And um, we both just talked about it. And we cried a lot. And 
um, you know, shared the parts of it that probably you can't say to someone who didn't go through it and wept together. And uh, several times I shared with her how praying for the person um, and really tr asking the Lord to show me the person through his eyes and give me his heart for that person. Um, how much th that's what really helped me. It wasn't anything I could have done and it was the Lord. And we um, began to pray that way together. And it was, it was really extraordinary. Like, you know, it, 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 I don't even know if I can put words to it, which I know isn't helpful on radio. <laughs> we get it though. We it get was, it. it. It was really extraordinary because we, we both were weeping and praying before the Lord and asking him, you know, to really help her to forgive this person and to see him through the Lord's eyes. And it's, it's a painful thing because you have to think about all the details of it mm -hmm. and you have to let go of something that you've held tight for years and um but yeah god is good god all right is really yeah robin i'm i'm the the word is extraordinary so it's the perfect word because sometimes the words aren't going to work but the word extraordinary does suggest exactly what god was doing in that moment now she's in a life or death situation herself. She doesn't get a surgery. She doesn't live maybe. Um, and yet she's afraid to die on the table and she doesn't want to die without having um, confessed and repented of this. Um, remind me uh, in her life, who, uh, who, who was the, the subject of the crime? Was it, um, was it a, a family it was member? Her son. It was her son. Her son. Umpa. Wow. Her adult son. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, an unfathomable thing to have to deal with. Yeah. Um, and did they find the person that killed her son? Yes. And he went to jail, but for a short time. Okay. But it, she knew of this person much sooner than you knew of the person that killed your grandma. Yes, but okay. this also was years later. Oh, wow. So Robin, when you first started having a discussion about praying for the, the perpetrator, did this woman have a pushback or was, she, was, was her heart willing to go there when you suggested that? You know, I think she... I think she was really wanting, like, afraid to, and wanting to at the same time. It, it's almost like you feel like if you forgive in a situation like this, that you're doing something against the person you loved. And yet, it's actually what they would want. They would want you to be free, right? Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. be healed. Um, and it's not, I mean, like I said, you can still have righteous anger. You still want the person, you know, if they're caught to go to jail and pay for their sins, but that's a different thing than wanting them to also come to know the forgiveness that's in the Lord and realizing they must have had such a broken and messed up life and wanting to see redemption there too. Um, yeah, wanting whatever is the most redemptive situation to come of what's 
the most awful situation you might face in your life. Mm-hmm. So spending two hours with her at the hospital and she's preparing for life and death sort of surgery. When you left the room, was there that, that, that fragrance of what Jesus had just done for the two of you or just done for her and the ministry that, that God made available? Was there that moment of, I can't believe what I just went through? More than a moment. It was really, um, it was very powerful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, knowing, knowing what it feels like to carry that, you know, maybe in a different way, but knowing what it feels like to carry that and then be set free from that and um, just crying with someone and praying with someone through that, it's, it you know that God like lined that up and it was all meant to be. And it was very clear. I mean, even my, my teacher was like, I don't know what happened, but I like, <laughs> she just kind of also was like, that was supposed to happen. Like you were the only person who was supposed to be assigned to her that day. Mm-hmm. And it's not anything about me. Right. It's just about the odd connection, you yes. know? Yes. And did she minister to you as well? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because, you know, when you go through things, I think, you know, the big rock, the big freedom is lifted, but you're still, it's still part of your story and your life and being able to remember what God did in your life and being able to, you know, go to a deeper level. It was, it was really, um, a very special encounter. Mm -hmm. And that was many, many years ago. I, I don't, I assume that she went ahead. I, I know she went ahead with the procedure, the operation, the surgery. Um, were you able to maintain any kind of relationship with her going forward, or was that kind of a one and done sort of event? Um, I was able to be in contact a week later. Okay. I, I I had learned the next day she went to surgery, and I was able to be in touch a week later, and we just really shared those like hugs and yeah, you know knowing looks just mm-hmm. knowing look you know it's still a hard thing it's not like so you know there's just this knowing like that god is greater than anything we go through and he's with us in it and he he can help us to forgive yes indeed all right robin can i take you back to uh younger days childhood days on the streets of brooklyn and what some of those sure. what some of those mean bully kids were like and how did you get to the point where you could say, I'm going to forgive all those kids and all the mean things they said? And, you know, that old stupid saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. <laughs> yeah. Well, there were both sticks and stones and words. Oh, you got both. <laughs> yeah. Tell me what um, happened. Well, there, there were kids on the block who, you know, they'd let us play with them if they needed extra people on a team. And then the minute other kids showed up, they'd be like Jews off the team. And a couple times, you know, I got punched in the stomach and called a Christ killer. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know growing up, I didn't know Christians believed in a resurrection that he rose from the dead. I just heard that, you know, somehow I was responsible for him dying. And I saw him hanging on the cross outside some churches. And it didn't make sense to me why people believed in someone who was dead. Um, but I also knew it was bad news for me. And one day, one of the younger kids on the block, he was swinging around his baseball bat. And he, this was accidental. He accidentally smacked me in the head really hard. Oh, my. And I fell to the floor. 
And it was almost like in the cartoons when you see someone seeing stars, like yeah. I was conscious and I could hear them talking, but I couldn't move and I couldn't speak. And I was kind of, you know, having that kind of experience. And he stood there panicked saying, what do I do? What do I do? And the older teenagers had walked by at that time and they said, do nothing. Just step over her and leave her there. She's oh, wow. just a Jew. Oh, wow. And they, that's what they did. They left me laying on the floor in the street till I kind of you know, came to a bit more myself to get home. I'm stunned. They really said that. They really said that. Just leave and they really her. Left me there. Leave her yeah. there, and then they did. Mm-hmm. Wow. What about the kid that hits you with the bat? Does he not feel any personal responsibility? Doesn't he say, "I've got to help this girl. I have to help. I know I did this accidentally, but I just can't leave her." What's going on well, in his he- head? I don't know, but he also was, you know, he would say, you know, anti-Semitic things to us at other times. Okay. But he was initially panicked, like he did want to do something, but I'm sure he also felt like the older kids are all seeing do this. So he just walked away with the older kid. And he was probably scared and okay to walk away if he was getting support from his other friends. So those things are, you know, they're really hard because these things are happening to you just because you're Jewish and they're happening in the name of Jesus. And then, you know, later now, now you wonder why I was hostile when people first told me, you know, Jesus is good news and Jesus is the Messiah. Well, sadly, this is the experience a lot of Jewish people have, um, you know, in their childhood or in their life is hearing really negative things, um, you know, related to Jesus. So, Um, When I first read the New Testament, and I realized that, well, the Jewish people didn't kill him, and nobody took his life, and he gave his life willingly for our sins, and that if it weren't for him giving his life, we couldn't be forgiven. One of the first things that came to mind was those kids from my youth, and I, I remember thinking like, they didn't get it, they didn't know Jesus, they had nothing to do with Jesus, you know, they were wearing crosses and going into churches, but if they knew this, why would they be angry at, you know, like it doesn't make sense at no. all. They don't know the story. Um, and so it was, it was shocking and very eye-opening for me that um, many people who wear crosses or walk into churches aren't necessarily all followers of Jesus who know his words and, and know why he died. Rob, let me take a short break. Robin is my guest. She is with Chosen People Ministries and in uh, Israel. But we're just hearing her personal story and learning about forgiveness on Forgiveness Day. And amazing. We're going to continue to uh, talk to Robin after a short break. Be right back. Welcome back on this Forgiveness Day. Sure, enjoying having this conversation with Robin. Robin is in Israel, and she was nice enough to be my guest today. And amazing story, Robin. Right before the break, we were you were telling us about the neighborhood kids and things that happened to you as a kid are very traumatic, and because you're in that 
younger developmental stage where what happens really, really sticks with you. So if you don't work through it, it's going to be a part of who you are as an adult and it's going to, you're going to carry it with you. So if you can't find a way to forgive, I would say there's going to be some baggage that you're going to carry along in life. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that when I read the scriptures and when I really saw you know, that it was Jesus who gave his life and all the things that the people said to me weren't based off anything scriptural Mm -hmm. and they weren't based off any truth about Jesus. I just, I I realized like they need Jesus. You know, here were these people wearing crosses and going to church, but they need Jesus. They need to know um, why he died and that he died for all our sin and no one took his life and he gave it. Like, you know, it just was amazing to me the first time reading the new testament to realize that um the people who are speaking these anti-semitic things didn't understand god's love for jewish people and um jesus and you know god's plan and if he if he isn't a jewish messiah he isn't the messiah at all right but they didn't understand any of that so realizing their lack of understanding that was in in that case like the beginning of realizing that I wanted them to know mm-hmm. who Jesus is. Like yeah. they need to know the truth. Yeah, I think of the Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. During the break, Rosie had a really great observation, and I thought, well, I can try to ask the question, but Rosie, I think you probably do a better job of asking the question. Okay. So, Robin, as you were telling your story, it occurred to me how often there are blocks in loving Jesus based on the behavior of people who profess Christianity. Our own behavior gets in the way because we're not being loving. And I think every human has falls into that camp, but Christians especially. And it just occurred to me that we've just come through this horrible season of uh, the last three years and so much behavior done in Christ's name was not loving as well. And I so appreciate how you are talking about forgiveness and where it actually truly comes from. How do you think in today's world for those people that harbor resentment, whether it be different political um, positions or whether it be ideologies that are, you know, against the Bible, how do we as a Christian body move forward in forgiveness and love when we have resentments and all these things that are blocking us? Mm. Yeah. It's so sad when, you see that when you see so many broken relationships over things like, you know, politics or different of opinion, um, difference of opinion. Um, And I just think the more we're in the word and the more we pray and the more we ask for his love and his perspective and his forgiveness to see people through his eyes, um, it would be so helpful because, and it's a reminder I constantly need, right? Where like, even though I went through such a big experience of forgiving someone who did such a big thing, I can get really upset with someone about something and realize, wait a minute, I need to forgive this person, this little thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think it is that constantly remembering that we're all created in God's image and we're all flawed, flawed and broken. And we all, sometimes react from those traumas of childhood. And so when you start to like see it that way and see how much Jesus loves the person and 
you know, God came to reconcile us to him and to each other. Um, it's, it's a start to let him into that and to really pray to see a person through God's eyes and to love them mm -hmm. uh, the way God loves them. Um, and that doesn't mean overlooking every little thing, but it also doesn't mean that we have to, you know, put up walls, but it's so important to like take bricks off the walls that separate us. Mm -hmm. Robin, I'm, I'm curious as a, as a, a messianic Jew, is that how you like to be thought of as, mm -hmm. or a completed Jew? Uh, I don't know what the best expression is, but they're both great. I think, um, when you made your decision to follow Jesus, was there family pushback and was there a need for uh, reconciliation there or um, what happened when your family situation? Um, I was very fortunate that I came to faith through my mother's friend who was a Jewish believer. Oh, awesome. So she had already been talking to my mom. And so my family wasn't happy I became a believer, but they also understood and had already heard there were Jewish people believe. So it was like an oddity more than it upset them. But okay. I do, I did have a cousin who brought me to a deprogrammer, someone to unbrainwash me from believing in Jesus. Wow. Um, yeah, that was a real, that was actually a really difficult experience because I was a new believer and they were making claims like this says this in the Bible and this says that. And, the, and, you know, when I researched it all out, nothing um, that they said really held any validity. And it was actually, it built my faith to <laughs> dig deep into what does the scripture say? What does the Hebrew word really mean? What's the prophecy and fulfillment? It just built my faith so much stronger and prepared me for ministry because many people would face the same questions from their families. So kind of backfired on the deprogrammer. I like that. I mean, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit at that point. So you had the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So when you were coming up against more false isms, you, you knew how to investigate and how to use God's word against it. That's an amazing part of your story. I, I don't know if I've heard of anyone being taken to a, a Christian deprogrammer just, to, just yeah. so you don't believe in Jesus. Yeah, it can happen. And to be honest, I went to several people asking the question. I, I would pray like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And like, show me where the answers to the questions that I'm not finding. And I'd studied the Bible. And then I went to, there are books answering Jewish objections um, to the faith by Michael Brown. They didn't exist at the time, but he had begun uh, cassette tapes that were preparing for the books. And I sought him out mm -hmm. and told him I went to a deprogrammer and he sat with me and answered some of my big questions, but he gave me a set of the cassette tapes that later became his books. And he said, these answer the questions, but you have to dig deep into the Bible with them. And I took a semester off college and I studied through um, the Bible and those tapes. And it was, it, it really, it increased my faith. It just grew me in the faith and in the assurance that the answers are all in the word of God. Mm -hmm. Robin, we just have about 90 seconds left, but I would love to wrap up our time together. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but here I go, putting you on the spot. <laughs> there are certainly people out there holding on to baggage that they need to step up and forgive. Would you pray for them? Oh, yeah, I would love to. Um, 
Abba, Father, I just want to lift up people who are um, suffering with really pain, painful trauma, things people have done to them, people uh, who have hurt them, people who have, made, have killed someone they know, people who have abused them, um, all types of pain that people carry, Lord. And I pray that you would help them to uh, accept your love and your forgiveness and your healing, and you would help them to see the people who hurt them through your eyes, to love them, to care for them, um, to just want to see them come to know you. And I pray this in uh, Yeshua, in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen. Bill, can I just say one thing? Quick? Yes, of course you can. Um, the one thing I want to say is there are circumstances when like people hurt you and you need to forgive them, but it doesn't mean you need to be uh, physically with them. Like if someone's abusive or, and I just wanted to make that clear because I don't, uh, I don't want someone to think like I have to forgive and stay in an abusive situation. Yeah. Um, there, there are separate things, forgiving in your heart and putting yourself in a bad situation. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with that. Thank you so much, Robin. You've been an absolute delight. I have loved having you as my guest on Forgiveness Day. Thank you so much for your time. And God bless you. Shalom. 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 We will take a short break and be back with more in just a minute. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.